All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Always happy to be here at the Palatial CKNW studios at the BC Legislature. It's very fancy. Nothing but the Just finest finished here. A delicious cheese scone from the <laughs> the Legislature dining room. Hats mm-hmm. off to them. They, they do a great job down there. All right, Omicron. It's here. Mm-hmm. It's in British Columbia. Here is Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday confirming the first case of the new vi- uh, variant in BC. Today we have identified our first case in BC and a person in the Fraser Health Authority who recently traveled uh, and returned from Nigeria. They are isolating and public health is, as we do with every case, following up with them and their contacts at this time. Okay, what was your read on, on her yesterday? She seemed kind of... It was Glum. a very somber briefing from her and Health Minister Adrian Dix, uh, reflective of the the unknown situation we're in with Omicron. The this followed, of course, at one o'clock yesterday was this very unusual news conference from the federal government. Acted not known for acting quickly on when it comes to border issues and travel. They usually take their time, but in this situation. A few uh, cases, relatively few cases of this variant of concern, and suddenly the, the federal government has this uh, news conference, number of ministers announcing new travel restrictions. And that sort of set the stage for the briefing from Dr. Henry and Adrian Nix yesterday, where they were more uh, somber, a little more you know, pointing out that we may be headed into a whole different plateau in this pandemic with this new variant of concern. Not much is known about it. I mean, it, it appears to be more transmissible than Delta, although it's not entirely clear. It's not entirely clear whether it leads to more severe illness. Perhaps it doesn't. So it may be the case that this just affects more people, even vaccinated people, but doesn't lead to hospitalizations and stuff. Well, we don't know yet. I mean, it's, it's at the beginning it's frust- of the evidence gathering. It's frustrating because, you know, you hear some concerns, and then I've, I've heard some other officials say, well, actually, it doesn't look like it's going to be as bad as maybe originally thought. Yeah. So again, we don't know which way it's going to go. So yes, it was more the uh, we don't know yet which way this is going to go. So the Delta variant arrived in late April, early May, and by the time and at that point it was a minor variant of concern. Remember ones called Alpha and Gamma and P uh, P one. Those were the dominant strains. They disappeared and were replaced by Delta. By early August, Delta was almost a hundred percent of the cases. Uh, in uh, in BC, and they've been it's been about a hundred percent of the cases for weeks now, so it's just a, a question of whether Delta will continue to be the dominant variant of concern, or whether this new one will knock Delta off and become the more uh, common one. But we don't know yet. Okay, uh, Bonnie Henry also had this to say yesterday about this. I thought this was interesting, where she talked about the number of people who have traveled through these hotspot regions for this variant uh, and returning to British Columbia. Have a listen to this. The Public Health Agency of Canada, who we've been working closely with since uh, late last week when this was first identified, has identified uh, 204 people in BC who were recently in affected areas. And the quarantine service, working with our teams, have connected with all of these individuals over the past few days, and they have been sent for uh, uh, PCR testing and are in isolation. Okay, so taking this seriously, over 200 people who had traveled through these regions, I guess primarily southern Africa, yep. although it's been pointed out, you know, it's in Europe too. It's ev- you know, well, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. It's not just uh, southern Africa, but again, it's interesting. BC does what's called whole genome. Um, the testing uh, yeah. more than other jurisdictions, and it's um, it's uh, leads them to find out which strain is prevalent 
and they take about a week's worth of cases every month and, and test everyone, do uh, genome sequencing on every one of them. And that's how they're able to determine that the Delta variant is so prevalent. So now those 204 people, I think, whole genome sequencing is going to be conducted there and will determine how many of the new variant of concern cases involve them. Okay, a lot of people saying, okay, now we've got this other variant. Uh, what about the booster shots? Should we get these booster shots into people more quickly? And Health Minister Adrian Dix was asked about that this morning with our own Simi Sarah. Here's what he had to say about the boosting up the booster vaccines. And what we're doing is working with our pharmacy sector. So about 200 pharmacies were part of uh, the initial pilot projects, and they're available now to start delivering booster shots of COVID-19 vaccines to adults, so those 12 and above. And then uh, we're adding pharmacies, so that'll be 500 by the end of the month and 1,000 in January as that number builds up. Okay, so he's talking about January. Yeah, so pharmacies are uh, now coming into play in a way they never really have had before, and that's been a concern from the BC Pharmacy Association uh, from the beginning. We're saying, hey, we should be part of this um, more involved in this than we are. I got my my shots at a, at a pharmacy just up the yeah. street here, so it's not like all of them are shut out. But they are now going to be part of. Uh, heard uh, Minister Dixier say a thousand in January. It's interesting. We're we're almost at the restart of the vaccination program because boosters mm-hmm. are going to go to everyone who wants one. That's four point five million people. We're only through about four hundred thousand so far. Um, and mostly over the age of, of 70. And then on top of that, you throw in the fact we've got 350,000 kids now uh, mm-hmm. eligible for vaccine uh, between uh, 5 and 11. That's starting in earnest as well. Only about 1,017 kids were uh, vaccinated the very first day, but that number will start to increase every day. The goal is to have as many possible in that age group done by the end of January. That's Dr. Penny Ballum's goal, probably about 5,000 kids a day on top of the booster doses. So remember, the, at the peak of the vaccination program back in uh, you know the, sp- the spring, uh, we were doing you know sixty, seventy thousand doses a week, and we've been down to uh, you know five thousand um, or f- sixty-seven thousand doses a day. We've been down wow. to five thousand doses a day when when we're just doing second doses. But now that boosters are there, uh, the number's going to ramp up a lot, and then you combine with kids, so there's going to be a lot of vaccinations going on. Could they could they start up the the mass clinics? Yep. Again, or well, just... Dr. Henry yesterday was interesting. She called on those people who had retired yeah. uh, and had been part of the immunization program before to come back, like retired nurses and retired doctors and yeah. retired people who were qualified to provide uh, inoculations. Uh, they were there at the beginning. Remember, we had those mass clinics. We had a lot sure. of p- places open, and they were staffed by people who had retired out of the healthcare system. Where the need now is bring those people back, and that. Therefore, allow people who have been seconded from the healthcare system to go back to the healthcare system. There have been some nurses and, and others taken out of the healthcare system and put it in, into the vaccination uh, program. And so the goal is to put those people back into the healthcare system and uh, be replaced okay. by retirees. Okay, and you got these new federal travel restrictions and some additional testing requirements too for mm-hmm. travelers. So that isn't that is in place. And- we'll see if the feds can actually follow through. They're not they're not known for enforcement. Mm. There, that that's been the criticism from the provinces all along. The feds announce things and they don't follow through on them. So, we'll see if uh, they'll actually enforce these rules at airports. Okay, let's talk about inflation. Uh, it was a really interesting discussion we just had. I had uh, Pierre Poliev on, the Conservative MP, who's the finance critic in the House of Commons, and this guy is. 
He's a fire breather on the opposition, <laughs> opposition benches, and he really knows how to get under Trudeau's skin and, and the Liberals, too. He really gets a rise out of them, especially when he starts trying to pin inflation on them. Well, he's uh, he's the uh, Tory's chief attack dog. Yeah. He's very effective. Um, yeah. I argue he's probably their most effective critic in the House, and he gets <laughs> off some pretty good lines, including when you're about to Okay, play. so let's listen to his line about uh, how he's pinning inflation on Trudeau here. Have a listen. The cost of government is driving up the cost of living. Almost a half a trillion dollars of inflationist liberal deficits mean more dollars chasing fewer goods, driving higher prices. But the Prime Minister says he doesn't think much about monetary policy. That's no surprise. After all, it's just inflation. <laughs> Justin, just inflation. Yeah, not a just bad line. Inflation. Not a bad line. Uh, you know, Trudeau's counterpoint is, you know, blame him personally for, for inflation. Um, Polio says they're spending too much money. I'm not sure if, if he could explain exactly what money <coughs> shouldn't be spent. Well I, of- well, I asked him that. He said, well, they would have cut off the CERB earlier. Yeah, you know they they overdid they overcompensated with the CERB. I'm not sure they that gave, would have curbed inflation though. Well, that's the thing. Like he also said, you know, they gave bailouts to companies that then turned around and gave bonuses to their CEOs and stuff, which I think is legit criticism. But I mean, even if you take that out, let's say you cut off CERB a little earlier, or maybe you didn't yeah. give a bailout to some of these corporations, you're still spending tens and tens of billions of dollars in uh, in pandemic recovery. Yeah, the pandemic, just like every country's been doing. The, the pandemic turned all government finances on. On, on their head uh, yeah. right around the world so many governments are spending huge amounts of money for social assistance for people at an extraordinary time I think it, there, it's a valid criticism to say CERB was sort of mishandled over time yeah but again you could take away half the CERB payments would that have knocked inflation well, down it. significantly I'm not sure about yeah. that yeah and, and he also tries to make the case that this is a made in Canada inflation no. problem you got inflation in the United States you got the in- inflation in Europe so Canada is a bit player, really. Although it is kind of, it's an interesting tactic to see the conservatives take a top of mind issue like inflation for a lot of Canadians right now, try to pin it on Trudeau. Not a bad, not a bad tactic for polio. <laughs> and, and again, it's a pretty good line. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Anne calling from the North Shore. Hi, Anne. Go ahead. Good morning. Can you tell me, um, Keith, if uh, when you were talking about the booster shots, does anyone? Can we just go in and get a shot without getting an invitation at the six month uh, time period? Well, you you should if you if you got your two shots and you're, you're and you're yeah. in the system, you should be getting a notification six months to eight months after your second shot. Okay, so you okay. should wait wait to get the invite. Wait to get the invite. The, if you don't okay. get an invite, then make an inquiry. Now, if you got your shot before we set up the registration system. Um, then you may have to make an appointment. That, that's people who got the shot very early on. But you should be in the, if you're in the system, you'll be notified. Thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, Ed in Vancouver. Hi, Ed. How are you? Good. I'm good, Ed. Go ahead. Okay, number one, I think the carbon tax has been a major factor in inflation because everything we get is comes in by trucks or diesel use or... Everything we purchase has just gone up because of the carbon tax. I think the carbon tax has been a big detriment to inflation. Okay, thanks for the call. Well, you know, well, we've had the carbon tax for a number of years without inflation. So I think we're. I think Pierre Polyev, I think, is actually 
correct that inflation around the world is driven by record high spending from governments right across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a liberal government, conservative government, socialist government, whatever. Everyone's been spending overtime because of the pandemic, and that has led to inflation. I think that dwarfs the carbon tax. Argument. Well, there's well, there's also the argument about just energy costs around the world, and some jurisdictions have a carbon tax and others don't. We've also got high taxation on gasoline mm-hmm. in Vancouver, like the highest in North America, actually, on gas in, in Metro Vancouver. Which has been the case for years without yeah. inflation. Right. And then, re- then you got real estate. I mean, you know, when you take a look at the price of real estate, can you really blame that on Trudeau? No, because uh, you know? again, it's been uh, it's it started to skyrocket under Stephen Harper. I don't blame Harper mm. for it either. Okay, Patrick in Vancouver. Hi. Hi. Uh, I've lived through this before under Pierre Trudeau. Uh, I was a young person in the early seventies, and I bought a home in that. And inflation was just out of control, and uh, Pierre Trudeau denied it for years. And uh, I was lucky enough, at least we saved, we were able to pay our house off. But uh, half of my friends that bought a house, they all lost their houses and everything, and everything went bust. Yeah, yeah well, I remember those days. Uh, yeah, I remember, um, what was the button? Win. Whip inflation Whip now. Whip inflation now. Under Jimmy that, Carter. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's, it's hard to separate Canada from the rest of the world in terms of economic uh, activity. Um, when there's inflation everywhere else, there's going to be inflation in Canada. Well, I mean, the inflation rate in Canada in the last number was 4.7%. The European Central Bank just reported out in the Eurozone inflation rate, 4.9%. Yeah. So, you know, they got higher inflation in the Eurozone than they do in Canada right now. I put that to Poliev, and he said, well, wait for the next number. We haven't had an updated inflation number in Canada for a little while. The next one could be higher. Well, and we're, well, we're sitting next to the United States. We're dwarfed by their economy. In the 1970s, we had high inflation in Canada. We had higher inflation in the States. Right, and there's high inflation in the United States right now, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Poliev's answer to that is, well, they, they did the same thing. They overspent. Yeah, the, the deficits no. are too high. Well, you know, I mean, the, the point is, the pol- don't forget the politics of it, right? Like... You know, for a guy like Poliev, you know, just inflation oh, is pretty catchy. He'll run with that for a long time. Yeah. I don't ben, blame him. Benny in Abbotsford. Hi. Benny. Yeah, I'm so proud of my provincial government sending me four or five emails and text messages to remind me to get my booster shot. I went in and got my booster shot, and they even gave me a choice. Do you want Pfizer or do you want Moderna? And by the way, if you cry wolf too many times, where people are just going to ignore these new pandemics. We need to carry on with life, but we also need to be careful and follow the health rules. That's okay, all Benny. I got to oh, say. Good, hey, Benny, good to hear you got your booster shot there, Benny. Uh, in terms of getting Pfizer and Moderna, that's not going to be the case at every clinic. I mean, it will vary around the province. Yesterday, an issue came up of um, not a lot of vaccines available in the north right now, and that's you know, no surprise because of the highway closures, it's tough to move goods around. Squeeze in one more. J.D. in White Rock. J.D., you got to go quick, okay? 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, we, my family and my mom never got their recovery benefits. We got confirmation. Can I give you my email? Is there a way to follow up? Because they get nothing from the government. That's $500. Send, send, me, an, send me an email. Send me an email. Mike at cknw.com, okay? And I'll see what I can do. Mike at 
cknw.com. Have you bought, we were talking about Christmas trees the other day. I went out and bought a Christmas tree. I managed to get a Christmas tree for like 89 bucks. That's, and that was like that the cheap, high. cheapest one in the lot. Well, I'm going to check out my, I usually, my wife and I usually take our wheelbarrow up to Thrifty's and load the tree on there. And, have they got any up there right now? They do have some okay. trees. I haven't checked out the price, but last year was 35 bucks. I can't believe you paid 90 bucks for one. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they saw me. But come. you live in Oak Bay. That was the cheap one. You live in Oak Bay. Right? They had a, more they, listen, some of these ch- uh, trees were two hundred bucks. Two hundred. I'm telling you, for a Christmas gold-plated 